Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan, and uh, Facebook at Lakes, Woods, and Irons as well. Find us there. And also Podcast One, your home for uh, Minnesota podcasts, sponsored in part by uh, Maury's, where you can always eat more fish at the uh, Mobile Galley in Brainerd. Great lobster rolls and fish tacos. Maury's in Motley and Brainerd. Chris, uh, exciting time for golf in the Twin Cities, certainly with uh, the 3M uh, Classic at Blaine. Have you... Uh, are you pretty familiar with the Blaine course, Chris? You know, I, I have a little bit of familiarity, um, but they, you know, Tom Lehman came in I, I, when they got the tour event and made some pretty major renovations to the course. So I have not seen the course in per- person since they made the changes. You know, one of the one of the nice, many nice courses in the Twin Cities. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, ended up with a pretty nice field, and uh, there was only a few guys missing, uh, the guys that had gone over to the olympics and uh and also right after the british open especially for after a major it was a nice field and uh down the stretch some pretty great players and a young guy that looks to be around a while cameron champ yeah i guess he he played great two-shot victory and um you know it's interesting i was um looking at it looking at his stats for the week and he um you know it he, he always is one of the leaders in strokes game driving and approach play, but, uh, you know, his, his putting and wedge play is just not, uh, as, as high a level typically as, as to, to win more than he has. Although you, you can't say that cause he's won three times in, in three seasons on tour, but you know, he, he, the, for the week, he gained 2.8 shots, strokes game putting. Normally he's, he's a, about a minus two, for the, for the week in putting. So he, he's, he ranks about 200th on tour in, in putting for the year. And he had uh, one of the best weeks putting this, this week. So it uh, just kind of shows you if you can combine that long game with a great game, great week on the putting greens on the PGA tour, you're going to have some pretty good success. Yeah. You wonder sometimes, at least I do, uh, the, maybe the 3M just the, the greens rolled right for him. Maybe he played a golf course that was similar to that for a big part of his life. You know, because you get comfortable on some greens, and some greens just drive you crazy. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's it's interesting. I mean, it's kind of like Johnny Miller always played great on the West Coast on those Poana greens, and that's where he grew up. But he had some, you know, incredible stretches out there, and having that that confidence on, on those different surfaces makes a huge difference. But uh, yeah, I, I you you'd wish you could. Uh, find out what the difference is for a guy like Cameron Champ on a week like that where he goes from being a, a mediocre putter at best to uh, to leading the tour that week. Yeah, I bet nobody wants to figure that out more than Cameron Champ. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and uh, Louis Ustase in his game is just completely dialed in, Chris. Now, he didn't win, and uh, a lot of people put maybe almost too much stock in him not winning because uh, he is uh, just completely dialed in everywhere he plays every week. Well, it's his it's it's his fourth or fifth second place finish for the year on tour. In the last uh, the last seven or eight events he's played, he's 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 been in the hunt every one of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know we've talked about it and joked about it before, but a guy named Nicholas finished a second nineteen times in majors, and he wasn't that bad. He, he had a pretty decent career. <laughs> We've got our old friend uh, Dave Sedlowski from Rutgers. He'll join us today. 
And Chris, uh, your son Joe Foley will join us from Sea Island. That'll be fun. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Find us on Facebook as well at Lakes, Woods, and Irons. And Podcast One, a great landing spot for Minnesota podcasts, including Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Brought to you in part uh, today by Holiday Stores of Cross Lake and Mill Avenue. Special guest with us, uh, one of our favorites. One of the guys we're really happy never got into radio. Uh, Chris, <laughs> Chris, I'll let you handle the introductions. Yeah, I want to welcome our good friend from Rutgers Resort, Dave Slodowski. Dave, welcome back to the show. Guys, thank you very much. Great to be with you again this year. Dave, since we last talked, um, Rutgers has been in the Rucker family for, gosh, almost 100 years, and you're under new ownership now. We are, and just to clarify, I think Rutgers family owned it for 122 years. Wow. And uh, for the first time in its history, uh, and through four generations of Rutger family, uh, they have sold out. And, um, you know, what a, what a great run they had. And, um, you know, everybody certainly, you know, thousands and thousands of people are grateful that the Rutgers did what they did for all those years. And our new ownership group is committed to, you know, setting up the resort for another 100 years of, of great success um, with a lot of uh, upcoming improvements, which will be a lot of fun. Dave, who is the new ownership group? And tell us about those improvements here. They're coming. Yeah, it's a, it's a conglomerate. It's a, it's a group of individuals. Uh, there's some major and minor investors, and um, uh, they've aptly named their, their investment group uh, 1898 Management, which 1898 is the, is the year that Rutgers was founded. Um, so they are they're very much in tune with the history of the resort and and want to maintain that yet yet improve a lot of things which um, over the course of the years have have gone a little uh, a little stale maybe and uh, so you know upgrades I think top to bottom are in the works some have have begun already um, a lot of the cottages will be replaced with new modern uh, homes and and cottages and multi-unit facilities uh, new food and beverage outlets. Uh, the beach has already been uh, partially renovated with multi-sand levels for uh, swimming right down by the water and then multiple levels levels for lounging and, and just staring at the lake, which is what people like to do. Um, in conjunction, the marina has begun its renovation by adding, I think they're going up to about 80 new boat slips. So to not only welcome you know the Bay Lake uh, residents to the resort, uh, but also to uh, accommodate our guests that bring their own boats, and um, it's it, it's you know the resort side of things. It'll take a few years for all that to happen, but it has begun and and very exciting. Uh, the golf operation is a whole other thing that uh, our new owners are very golf centric, and uh, last fall our clubhouse building here saw the first renovation of the of the resort property. Uh, with a complete top-to-bottom renovation. Um, right here in the golf shop, we have all new finishes, all new custom wood fixtures. Uh, the Ziggs Restaurant, um, which is kind of new to most people here too, has been rebranded, and it is now called the White Oak Grill. And uh, that comes with a brand-new menu and even the possibility of being open year-round. So uh, that'll be a nice a nice change too. You know, we, we go like crazy for... Uh, the time that we're open in the summer and, and all of a sudden shut down and people still want to come here. So, yeah, of course <laughs> so hopefully do. we can still accommodate some of those folks. So, um, yeah. And then just to continue on here, the, the golf operation, 
Um, we've already received our, our new fleet of uh, full GPS functioning golf cars, uh, complete new fleet of maintenance equipment, and a lot of equipment that we hadn't had in the past. Um, so as you can see, there's you know these new owners, uh, they mean business, and uh, they really want to upgrade everything here at the resort, but specifically uh, the, you know the golf operation. Um, it's you know the golf course, as you guys know, you know the layout has, has got great bones. Um, but maybe just got a little bit tired over the years, and we're going to take that and refresh all of that now. So uh, the Jacks 18 course, uh, we've already begun clearing a lot of the brushy areas just for better playability, uh, better sight lines, better you know air and sunlight and all that stuff for turf conditions. Um, we have hired a, uh, an outside consultant to help with our, our maintenance staff to improve absolutely every playing surface from tee to green. Um, including with that will be a bunker renovation, new cart paths, irrigation, um, the whole bit. So it's uh, it's really going to be it's exciting, guys. And uh, you know, coming out of this pandemic, hopefully we're coming out of it, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. People, <laughs> people, uh, Chris, as you know, are still wanting to play a lot of golf, and uh, we're going to make it better for them and a better place to stay as well. Um, so if I can keep rambling, boy, the Alex Nine. Uh, the Alex 9 has been in operation since 1921, uh, so uh, this would have been, well, it is its 100th year, and um, it will see a whole new look uh, going forward. Uh, in fact, uh, we had a, a golf course designer out here today uh, with a grader and a shaper and a builder, um, and uh, the resort would like to kind of make take the Alex 9, the footprint that it is now, and turn the golf course into a legitimate par three. It has been a, a an executive style course. So shrink the footprint of the golf of the golf course, uh, but then also add a, a full outdoor fun area, including a, a putting course, a lawn bowling, sand volleyball, croquet, pickleball, tennis, you name it. Wow. Um, and, the, and the short course will be, you know, Chris and Mac, I mean, both of you know a lot of these, a lot of resorts around the country and some here locally too have these very nice little par threes um, that are in great shape and it makes it fun for you know your low handicapper or your novice player to go out there and um, and just really enjoy it so uh, again it it I can't I can't be more excited about the direction we're going here so uh, both you and Chris know that uh, <laughs> probably the people that you're teaching on the range should play the par three uh, more than they do Right, right, and and you know with these new designs of these little par three courses, now that the the better players want to play them too, um, you know because they are challenging. The the, the sight lines are going to be great. Um, you know there's going to be great features out there, and the bigger thing for the you know the the better players is the conditions and uh, conditions as good as you know our championship course. So good for everybody. Yeah, it's it's a it's such a great form of the game to play i think david i think you know th there's a perception among some players that they don't want to play a par three course because they they can't hit the driver but it you know shorter forms of golf as far as time element goes and fun goes are i i think that's that's the way to go right in these times and um just get people out playing more and taking less time and having more fun it is and you know from what I understand, the design here is going to be surrounded by new 
modern cottages. So this whole area is going to be kind of like a just a big old playground. And um, you know, maybe you play 18 holes on our championship course, and you have dinner, and you might grab a cocktail or a six pack and a few wedges, and back out you go. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. walk right out your back back door, the back patio. Um, you know, so it's it's going to be a really neat setting when when it's all complete. Well, sounds fantastic. Yeah. As as far as uh, uh, physical changes, Dave. Um... Any holes in particular that they're working on, especially on Jack's course, or you know, yeah, uh, starting late, late last fall after we shut down the all the holes that surround Bass Lake, which sits right outside the the, the clubhouse here, uh, holes are seven, eight, and nine. Um, the shores of Bass Lake have been completely brushed out, trees limbed up. Uh, prior to that, you wouldn't know that there was a water feature there at all because <laughs> you couldn't see it. Uh, but now that's all completely opened up. Uh, so not only is it great for the golfer, uh, for views and sight lines and, and even better approaches into some of those greens, but, um, you know, it's better for the turf too. We've got airflow and, and light going through there now. And, uh, from the clubhouse, from the deck, as you guys know, that vantage is even better now because now you can kind of see those holes across the water. So, and there's more, just more of that to come. Um, as you know, you know, this, this was built in the woods up here. <laughs> and uh, uh, we'll we'll still have a lot of woods, but it'll be a little bit cleaner. That airflow has really been uh, at all the courses. Really, has been uh, all around. I think probably the Midwest more and more they uh, take out brush and find some airflow, and the grass gets better, and the conditions get better. Uh, right, better for everything, really. It is, and around a lot of tea complexes, you know, the trees and the the foliage tend to kind of creep into those areas, and and make some of those tea placements impossible. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we're going to gain some of that back again. Dave, what's the, what's your timeline for kind of getting all of that completed? Good question. <laughs> uh, I mentioned uh, prior that the, the designer was just out here um, a few hours ago, in fact. Um, so they're going to go back to the drawing board and put some budget numbers on this. And, um, you know, as, as we all know in our world today, a lot of things hinge now on getting equipment and getting materials. Yeah. Um, so piping, uh, Chris, uh, is the one thing that came up today for irrigation, uh, getting piping. And that's certainly something that has to go in fairly soon in the process. So, uh, we'll just have to consider all those things and, and put it down on paper and see where I think ideally, uh, if I can put any answer to this idea we'd like to start this fall uh whether or not we close the course you know early or not i don't know but um and then really get after it throughout the course next year and hopefully open it up at some point next year but again all depends on on our world today sure so we're not open next tuesday no (laughs) (laughs) not not in the new form anyway (laughs) who's who's the designer gonna be dave well um i don't know that i can say yet um, but they are talking with a local person right now uh, to see if, if that person can fit us in. Well, that's exciting stuff, Dave. How's your uh, How's your son doing, uh, Dave? We went, I know we had a yeah. the, uh, the COVID thing and kind of missed some golf uh, senior yeah. year in high school. And uh, did he go off to play college golf? He's doing great. He's up at Concordia Moorhead yep. on their golf team up there, and and their season was scrapped last year as well. Yep. Um, they got a few little duels in uh, with St. John's um, um, early spring this year, which is not their major season. Um, but uh, he's excited. He's off uh, here in a few weeks to play the Pine to Palm and then uh, get back to school with a full schedule, hopefully, and um, 
and uh, he's looking forward to that for sure because he's had two years basically with no team competition. Right. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. Yeah, Chris he's been running. Uh, he's running to Chris's daughter here a few times. I think he's been running some junior PGA events all summer long. So um, he's been keeping busy. Well, that's great, Dave. If people want to get out there and uh, play a little golf at Rutgers, how do they? Get, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, you know the best way. Certainly, give us a call six seven eight four six four six. Online tee times at Rutgers dot com. And, um, boy, come on out. Uh, it's an exciting time, you know, certainly in the golf industry, but specifically here at Rutgers. And um, come, uh, come and see us. It would be, be great to see everybody. Dave, love getting the update. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it. That's Dave. Thanks, Dave. Dave Sedlowski at Rutgers. Uh, they got the uh, Get Out There and Play Jacks, uh, great golf course. Put it, on, put it on the menu, and it sounds like uh, put... Uh, Put White Oak on the menu as well. <laughs> You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan. And also find us on Facebook at Lakes, Woods, and Irons and Podcast One, Lakes, Woods, and Irons, and really wherever you find your podcasts, Lakes, Woods, and Irons, brought to you in part by Ernie's on Gull On Point Burger Company, a great addition at Ernie's, locally owned, globally loved. And uh, Mills Ford, your hometown dealer since 1922. Chris, uh, well, I guess a very special guest, one of your all-time favorite guests that we've had on the show. That's right. I'll let you handle the introduction. Yeah, I want to welcome back to the show one of my favorite golf professionals, my son Joe Foley. <laughs> hey guys, well, great to be here. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, I, I can't remember if we've had you on since you uh, you became a golf professional. Have we have we had you on the show? Uh, we we haven't. Uh, I turned pro last summer. It was probably the first time in a year and a half since I've been on. Okay, well, yeah, good. Yeah. Well, well, welcome back. You are uh, you've been there almost a year now. You're at at the Sea Island performance center at Seattle resort tell, tell us about your experience there so far and how you got there well you know it's it's been pretty incredible the the education that i've gotten here is second to none um when i first got here you know i was behind the desk in the performance center in our shop and uh the whole goal was to do as much observation as i could and uh with the intent that i would get teaching um after my my time at the desk was up and, uh, you know, it was absolutely fantastic. If I, if I wasn't there, I was originally supposed to go to, uh, Miami and work for the McLean schools down at the Biltmore. And they told me that if something else came up to take it and it worked out great where Sea Island was where I originally wanted to go. And, uh, they had a position open up right as I emailed, uh, Craig Allen, our director and, um, he said, if you come down and, and observe and learn and, uh, do all that, we'll get you teaching as soon as possible. And, uh, I started teaching the end of February and haven't looked back since. Well, that's great. And tell, you know, you, for those who don't know about Sea Island, t- tell us about it. it's, it's probably the number one golf school in the country and, and the, the best facility in the world, um, but you, you have a lot going on there, a lot of world-class instructors and a lot of world-class elite players. 
Yeah, I mean, one of the coolest things uh, that we have here is we we have a number of uh, tour professionals from uh, Harris English to Pat Kazire and Jonathan Bird, and um, those are just the guys who live here. Um, there's a number of guys that, that fly in to work with um, a, an assortment of our instructors, you know, Justin Parsons, who, who works with, uh, you know, our tour players down here, also works with several players around the world. Um, such as Lou Eustazen and Gary Woodland, and um, it's pretty incredible. You know, Louie doesn't doesn't really come here unless it's the RSM week, but, uh, you know, like Gary will fly in every so often um, during the off-season to work with, with uh, Justin Parsons. And then, you know, we have a number of guys that, that are really kind of on the come-up that uh, amongst our tour players we have probably, you know, 20 guys that play on the PGA Tour and Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, well, just the PGA Tour alone, then Corn Ferry Tour, we we probably have 15 to 20 guys. And then amongst the, the developmental tour players, we, we probably have another, you know, 25 to 30 players that, that are right in there that uh, are members down here. And uh, So they usually come here and move here for the world-class instruction. And then it's hard to beat our driving range with the way it's set up to kind of perform and act like you're on the golf course, but also – being right on the ocean, it's pretty hard to get um, upset or, you know, lose perspective <laughs> of things when you have yeah. such a perfect office uh, out there. That's right. That's a great take. Joe, I was wondering just from, you know, since I've known you as a young guy, you've always been working on your game, always a real competitive kind of guy. And now in just in the last year, year and a half, you go probably, I'm guessing, you can tell me, from working on your game to uh, working on your profession. Yeah, you know, it's it's been a little bit of a, a different turn. I, I went from practicing probably 40-plus hours a week right. to now that's what I'm working. Um, the the nice thing is is I, I still try and play about four to five times a week. I'll, I'll go walk nine holes after I uh, I get done with work. I'll, I'll usually try and head out on the back of Seaside or the front of Plantation, uh, the two golf courses that are located on property next to the Performance Center there and that are uh, used during the RSM. Yeah. Uh, classic or the PGA tour event in the fall. So I'll, I'll go try and walk those, you know, four to five times a week just to, you know, after I get done teaching for the day, just to get a, a little feel and keep the game in check. You got to do and that. Plus, game, what a golf course <laughs> to oh, practice it's, it's on. Fantastic. <laughs> How is your game, Joe? Uh, you know, I was, I was struggling hitting the ball. Wonderful. Um, but I, I was struggling with putting and I, I took a lesson with uh, our Putting specialist here, David Angelotti, and you know, I, I feel like it's as good as I've ever been. Uh, you know, I spend less time working on my golf swing now than I used to, but my concept of my swing is so much better. And so, a lot of my practice is is much more directed at uh, you know at being better in the performance side of things. Where I think where I went wrong in the past is I I spent so much time trying to make my mechanics perfect rather than kind of performing with what I had, you know, in the moment, you know, and really kind of using that to my advantage. I, I almost went too far into, you know, kind of a perfectionistic point of view. Probably a pretty good lesson for any of the players out there. Oh, it, it is, you know, and we have, we have tour players that, that fall into that mode, you know, every so often. And, you know, it's amazing. I, I, working with the right coach, you know, can certainly make a difference for that and how you think and, you know, kind of how you guide your practice. 
I think we've had that a lot, don't you, Chris? Where the, I mean, some some of the sometimes the best player in the world goes to change his swing, and uh, everybody's thinking, "What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes the game goes away a little bit. Yeah, it's not always the per- the pursuit of perfection in the golf swing is a, is a dangerous thing a lot of times. Joe, uh, you know, I always joke about you with you about that you're getting a Harvard MBA there at. Uh, in golf at, at Sea Island, tell us about some of the other instructors there. You, you mentioned you mentioned uh, Justin Parsons, who teaches um, Louie and 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 uh, Gary Woodland. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Justin who, works with who all are some of the other instructors there? Yeah, so so Justin works with a number of uh, tour players that live here, um, including Harris English, Pat Kazire, and then he he recently. Uh, started co-working with uh, Jack Lumpkin, who's kind of our legendary teacher here. Um, he works with Brian Harmon now as well. So those two kind of collaborate with Brian. Uh, Brian's had such a great relationship with Jack. You know, he's worked with him since he was like six years old that um, he didn't want to take him off the team, but Jack's not traveling anymore week to week. So Justin's kind of taking a little bit more of a, a role that way with him. So we have Jack, who is uh, Davis Love's longtime teacher. Um, Davis's father was another really good instructor here at Sea Island uh, when we just kind of started the Performance Center back in the day and um, with Jimmy Hodges and a number of other great instructors. And then uh, we had Gail Peterson, who is another top 100 instructor. Um, Gail has been fantastic and been a great mentor to me. Um, I learned probably more from watching her teach from a non-technical um, communicative standpoint than, than anything else. Um, Gail's phenomenal, especially with the short name. And then we have, uh, Jared Zach, who Jared works with a number of our, our, uh, developmental tour guys and a number of really good juniors in, the, uh, in the country, really. Um, one of his players that plays at Princeton, it's incredible, hits it longer than Bryson. Um, cruising speed is at over 130 miles an hour and ball speed is at 200 wow. miles an hour. Just, um, incredible athleticism. Uh, and then you have uh, Daniel Gray, who runs our player development program. Um, one of our other assistants, Chris Boyle, helps him with that. Me and Chris do a lot of collaborative effort together with uh, a lot of the students that we see. And then we have um, a number of our kind of specialist, you know, our senior instructors, Victor DeSola, Mike Cook, Jeff Nelson. Um, they all teach very similar to, to kind of what Chris and I would teach, but we um, – they teach a lot more of the the beginners and some of the, you know, lower level players that maybe aren't quite ready for the level of instruction that you get with like Jack Lumpkin or Jared Zach or somebody like that. Not to say that they wouldn't work with them, but they don't. Um, Mike Cook is also a, you know, who's one of our senior instructors also works with, uh, is the head coach for college of uh, coastal Georgia who they've won since he took over, I think five or six national championships at the NAIA level. Yeah, they're always and, in it. Yeah, they're they're fantastic program. And then we, we have our, our other specialists uh, with Randy Myers and Tom Hemmings on the fitness side who, um, y- you know, they're two of the best people in the entire industry. And uh, then you have the fitters, Jeffrey Kamen, uh, Curtis Leggett, and Ben Freund that uh, are all kind of, Jeffrey and Ben are kind of Craig Allen's uh, protégés. Craig is number one fitter in the entire industry. 
And then you have Chrissy Felton, who she's another one of our senior instructors and does a lot of our junior golf stuff as well, but also does our uh, our group booking. So whenever we have a golf school, she's the one that that's all booked through. An incredible group of instructors, Joe. The, yeah, it's, if, it's if, unbelievable. If you can't if you can't go to Sea Island and get better, you're probably not going to do it. <laughs> well, you know, we, we joke about it. One of the probably the best things about Sea Island in that way is um, if you're a player and you move here, you know, I, I joked about this with uh, with Mike Shannon, who used to be our, our putting instructor here before he, he moved on to TPC Sawgrass. He, uh, you know, we were joking around one day and we, we were talking, if you can't get better, here you're not going to get better anywhere else but part of that is no other place in the, in the world are you going to be laying in bed at at 9 a.m or something like that sleeping in and go oh crap you know i'm losing you know i'm losing my progress to other players out there i gotta get out there and practice <laughs> you know all these guys because of kind of the culture here are getting up and and getting out after it about six seven in the morning yeah, your dad had referenced the story, uh, Joe, about uh, Harris English being there early after winning on the tour. Yeah, well, it was it was pretty incredible. I uh, Harris works with Tom Hemmings, one of our fitness specialists, and uh, you know, I texted Tom and I said, "Hey, I saw that Harris is, is booked on you. At, you know, at seven o'clock tomorrow morning. What what's the the deal here? You know, I said if this playoff keeps going any longer, you know, that's not gonna." gonna happen and, and he goes fingers crossed you know well harris wins and so i was thinking okay he's gonna cancel you know it's gonna be you know a nice flight home you know nice bottle of wine or champagne or something you know right and uh sure enough i'm i'm in there the next day at 7 a.m to, to open up some stuff and harris is the the first player there you know he's in there working out with, with tom right away that's dedication that's, all right wow yeah you, you know kind of to point out Harris's work ethic the day after the U.S. Open last fall, you know, where he, he placed fifth, the day after he was back in Sea Island and he was grinding on the range, uh, hitting golf balls for four or five hours. Joe, you've got uh, the fall schedule on the PJ Tours, the RSM Classic there. When, when is that event coming? So that event is the uh, the week before Thanksgiving in November. So that'd be the, the second week in November there. Is that the last event of uh, 2021? I believe that the the week of Thanksgiving they are back in the Dominican for for an event. I know that was quite an experience for you last year, getting to uh, work on that event and be inside the bubble, so to speak. Yeah, you, you know, it was cool uh, being inside the bubble there. You know, we were working club distribution was my my title because they couldn't put anything in the players lockers so we, we had to get tested and do all that because they can't have direct access with the reps so all the reps would bring stuff over to to where i was in our video rooms and we'd make sure that the players names and everything were sorted on it and when they came up you know give it to them so for me it, it was pretty cool because i got to see some guys that don't live here and meet them that uh, i've always admired like charles howell was has always been one of my favorite i call him the human atm <laughs> and uh we yeah. we probably had a 15 minute conversation just about clubs clubs there and couldn't have been a nicer guy joe is there anything watching these tour players all the time is there anything that surprised you about how they 
practice or play that that the average player would benefit from? Yeah, you, you know, it's pretty interesting. I, I always thought, you know, that, that more is better growing up. The more time you spend doing something over and over. And there's a lot of these guys that they really break up their practice pretty differently. Like, for for instance, Pat and Kazire, I've, I've talked with a couple times about it. You know, Pat will go, you know, come, he'll roll a few putts for like 15 minutes, you know, and work kind of on the mechanics of his stroke. And then he'll go hit full shots and come back after like 45 minutes or so and kind of switches off back and forth where he's giving his brain kind of a, a break at what he's doing. And I always thought that was interesting because you, you hear a lot about these old school guys that would hit balls until their hands bled. And, um, you know, here we have some of the best ball strikers in the world and they're, they're really breaking up their, their practice in segments and then coming back later. Yeah. Different, yeah, different no, personalities sure. too. Some guys probably love to grind and other guys like to, uh, uh, maybe not don't enjoy the monotony quite as much. Well, you, you know, it's interesting. Chris Kirk, who used to live here, um, you know, Chris would, would hate being on the driving range, um, you know, hitting balls. He, he was very good at breaking up what he wanted to do. So if there was something he was working on, if he felt like he, he figured it out or, you know, achieved what he wanted to that day after five minutes hitting balls, he would go over to the short game area and work on putting different spin around the golf ball and um, different kind of shots. But in the the money games that some of these guys play, Chris Kirk, you know, even though he hit less shots on the range, used to take everybody's money because he spent a lot more time on the golf course, you know, playing in that environment. Well, Joey, that's great stuff, but I I really appreciate coming on and telling us what you're doing and sharing your your experiences there at Sea Island. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. Joey, you know what I think uh, I can assure you of? This is going to be your mom's favorite episode of the year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. Unless she gets on, it probably will be. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, she can't. She could give up too many uh, secrets on your dad. We can't have her. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Joe, thanks for taking the time. Sure appreciate it. Yep, thanks for having me, guys. Joe. Thanks, Joey. Love you, bud. Joe Foley, right, Chris's uh, son from uh, Sea Island today with some inside uh, look at what a great facility that is. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. Colin McDonald with you on Facebook at Lakes, Woods, and Irons and also uh, Podcast One, Lakes, Woods, and Irons, brought you in part by uh, Craigans Golf Courses. Stop by the Craigans Courses, get something delicious to eat, play some great golf, and uh, look at all the cool things that are happening at the Legacy Courses at Craigans. Thanks to our guests, uh, Joe Foley joined us from Sea Island, Chris's son, and Dave Sedlowski from Rutgers. Nice to have those guys on with us. Chris, uh, we were kind of talking about, uh, before we go on here, about uh, uh, from lessons from the tee, and I kind of had a question. Uh, Jeff uh, Hilborn, friend of ours and my boss, um, was out there, and he got a uh, lesson from you last night. And uh, I just thought it was interesting because, when you and I've worked together, I, I my tendency is to uh, have the hook grip just goes back yeah. to as long as I've been playing probably, and you're always adjusting my hand back up on top. And uh, with Jeff's swing, it was it was uh, kind of just the opposite. So maybe uh, talk about uh, people's swings and uh, from a golf coach's point of view, what you have to do sometimes. Yeah, you know the the <laughs> I just finished with our junior golf. Um, 
program on on Wednesdays, or I just got off the lesson too with with junior golf. And you know, one one of the things we we talk about every week, and it's so important, is is the club face has the biggest influence on where the golf ball goes. And uh, as a generalization, we always know where the club face is an impact by where the golf ball starts has the biggest influence on the starting direction. And then the comment, the, the relationship of the face and the path of the club caused the ball to curve in the direction that it does. And so, uh, you know, you, you and Jeff have, you know, very contrasting airs or swings. And, and for you, you know, you, you tend to grip the club, your hands are turned too much to the right, which influences the face to be closed at impact. And, and the ball would curve to the left. And Jeff is just the opposite. He has his hands turned too much to the left, which causes the face to, the tendency is to be open, uh, the club face to be open, and Jeff will hit a lot more slices and weak shots to the right. So, you know, so, and what happens is the more open the club face tends to be, the more we tend to, to get our path or the direction of the swing to the left in an effort to score up the club face. And so it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. You're swinging more left, the face is more to the right, so you hit bigger and bigger slices. And for you, it's just the opposite. The more yeah. closed the club face gets, the more you have to lead the ball to the right, so your, your path gets more rightward, and you hit bigger and bigger hooks. So, you know, there's a lot of things that are a bit counterintuitive in the game of golf, and, and that's definitely one of them. So, you know... Um, with with our lesson with Jeff, we really we got his hands turned more to the right, strengthen his grip is what a lot of people call that. Yeah, and um, you know tried to get really get him having awareness of where the club face was, and then swinging much more out to getting a feeling of swinging much more out to right field. So he eliminated the pushes and slices and hit hit more, you know, draws or you know, straight shots. So. You always have to have the if you have an awareness of the club face and know your tendencies, why those th- why your errors happen. Uh, the more club face awareness you have, the easier it's going to be for you to play well over a long period of time. Yeah, the, I think the key, the the, the uh, second set of eyes on a golf professional is. Uh... I mean, we all think you know we're trying to have good swings, but uh, it's uh, uh, it takes kind of the keen eye there. I'm sure you see, you know, a, a thousand varieties, and you've seen a million golf swings literally in your life. So you really, it's an individual thing, but also uh, getting to the bottom. You've talked about that a lot. I mean, that that the finish is uh, is top of the list. Yeah, you know, and it there's so much. It, that that second set of eyes is is so important, and and giving somebody the right diagnosis of why uh, their their errors are happening in ball flight, and you know there's there's so much great content on the internet, whether it's YouTube or other swing tips, and you know, Golf Magazine and Golf Digest, but you really have to be able, you have to be aware of applying that advice correctly for you. If your slice is caused by, for instance, if you slice a golf ball and that slice is, is caused by your path getting too much to the left, uh, if, you're, if you're trying to fix it with another cure, 
you you go down a rabbit hole and it, and it may get way worse. <laughs> yeah. So you, you get you have to you really have to be careful. How does that particular tip or advice apply to you and your golf swing? All right, I would uh, advise seeing a uh, professional, seeing that second set of eyes, because uh, you just uh, most people don't take the time to look at their own swing over and over. And uh, nice to just have that example. Chris, another great show. Thanks, my friend. Thank you, Mac. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ.